All right, it's Tuesday, September 29th, and this is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. This week, we've got the Week 4 Preview. I'm trying to avoid, like, the longest intro of all time award. Well, I'm pouring beer out of a growler. I have to be a little more careful. Okay. I don't mind. Thank you very all much. Right. So what sort of beer do we have? Well, here on the Drink 5 podcast, uh, I am joined by Dave, of course. Uh, we are drinking. Um, well, looking at the bottle isn't going to help me. Because we went to Ingrained, uh, the brewery in Springfield, Illinois, over the weekend on our way to uh, go see the Steelers and Cardinal or Steelers and Rams play. And um, we got their IPA. But this uh, is a growler from Shoreline Brewery in Michigan City, Michigan. Uh, Michigan City, Indiana. I love me some growlers. Rawr. Well, the trick is to drink them early enough so they don't go flat. So hopefully we've done that. I think it looks all right. You know, those suckers are full. That thing had like, you know, a quarter inch from the top. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, But... Getting back to uh, to why we are truly here, uh, it is approaching week four, so we have three weeks in the books as far as uh, you know the uh, the annals of, of fantasy history are concerned. I mean, dude, it's fantasy football season. That's why we're here. I love it so much. We got to go see uh, a football game this weekend, and uh, I haven't like really seen a game since I've had this newfound appreciation for football and been able to examine it the same way. And I kind of take back a lot of what I had said. I used to always say that it's, you know, no point in going to a game, just watch it at home. But going to a game was incredible fun. It's a type of, you know, point of view that you never get uh, when you're, you know, watching it on television. Yeah, and it, it depends, you know, what stadium you're going to, et cetera. The one we went to, it, it seemed to have a lot of good seats where we were in the lower level. Uh, and our view was certainly pretty good, although we were sort of um, diagonally in an end zone. So, uh, unfortunately, this game in particular, uh, the Steelers versus Rams game, ended up being something like 12-6, to 6, which means there weren't a ton of like great stretch-to-field plays. But they had huge video monitors, and you really didn't feel that far uh, away from the from the field. So, I mean, it could have been different if we were up in the nosebleed section. I don't know. But we had a... We had a pretty good uh, a pretty good time there. Um, yeah, nothing but good views. And you're right, we were kind of in an awkward spot on the first level. Um, but we, we were in uh, Pittsburgh, apparently. Yeah, or just was, little Pittsburgh, maybe. That's that's one of the reasons why maybe the Rams aren't going to hang around too long in St. Louis because they don't have uh, the the ability to to pull as many fans as a lot of these bigger teams do. Right, they can't force out one of the big teams. Although, let's be honest, unless your team is playing very well, the Steelers or the Packers or, you know, one of those teams that travels really well is probably going to outnumber you in a crappy stadium. One of those teams go to Cleveland, I'm sure it's all Steelers fans. Yeah. (laughs) Although, I, you know, going to Cleveland is not um, all it's cracked up to be. So, hopefully I never have to engage in that particular... uh, Cleveland, St. Louis, what's the big difference? (laughs) 
<laughs> One's in Ohio. No, the people of St. Louis were lovely. Uh, I want to thank them for their hospitality and the tailgate. Um, well, it's very we nice. Had a really good time. Yeah, there were uh, a lot of really nice people. Yeah, everyone cool. I met was really cool. So, uh, what is there to discuss from this previous week besides Ben Roethlisberger's big injury? Uh, they say he'll be back in, in six weeks or so, and Michael Vick is going to replace him in the meantime. Yes, indeed. Uh, or maybe you want to talk about these uh, like good and bad performances, whatever you'd like to launch. Yeah, let's hit some here. performances first, I suppose. We'll get to the injuries in a few minutes. Um, so, these are the guys who had either great weeks or terrible weeks, and we'll try and figure out why, maybe not spend too much time on each guy. Like a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who went 24 for 35, threw for 333 yards, five touchdowns. Is it really that, you know, do we, do we need to break him down that much? Is it, isn't that what we expect from Aaron Rodgers on, on an almost weekly basis? <laughs> um, one of the things, and I didn't read too much into it, but apparently um, Pro Football Focus has a rating system, and they actually gave him a, a poor rating for that game. So I, I don't know how you can justify that. He had almost a perfect quarterback rating, uh, but I know that that isn't is all it's cracked up to be. Uh, so Tyrod Taylor uh, on the Bills, he started all three games. He's last week was 21 for 29, 277 yards, three touchdowns. He is over 72% completion rate in each of the three games so far this year. So he is just the picture of consistency. Um, he is the kind of guy who's in the sort of situation where he was given the opportunity to start and he is making the most of it. And I kind of expect Tyrod Taylor to have a lot of success for the rest of the year. And I think this is going to be kind of like a Nick Foles situation a few years ago where you're going to get one year flash in the pan of really good performance and then it, it probably isn't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you like Tyrod Taylor going forward? He's a free agent in a lot of leagues. Would you suggest people pick him up and replace some of the more underperforming quarterbacks? Uh, well, he's not he's not a rookie, uh, so he he played for a couple of years behind Joe Flacco. And if he was a rookie and performing in this manner, I would not expect him to be, you know, RG three good or you know some of these other guys who have marched into the league and really uh, took it by storm. He's been around for a little while though, which is good to me. It means he's going to be more consistent. And the level he's performing at now, I can see him uh, slipping a little way from that, regressing a bit, and because. Uh, people haven't had a lot of tape on him. It's one of those experiences again where Tyrod does a lot of things that people can't predict. And so after a couple more games, maybe even this next game, you might see some defenses learning where he's moving, you know, if he's dodging out of the sacks or pressure from the defensive line, etc. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect him to fall off a cliff, but I also don't expect him to be, you know, a top three quarterback. Now that said, in our rankings uh, for this coming week, he actually is, uh, you know, a top five guy, and so what what it means for us is he's on a trend, and you have to ride him now uh, until that changes. Oh, he's most certainly on officially on a trend at this point. Yep. So whether or not I believe he's going to continue this throughout the rest of the season doesn't really matter at this point. If you don't already have two great quarterbacks on your team uh, or in a two quarterback league, uh, you know, you don't have two or three then you need to pick him up if he's available. In fact, you needed to have done so two weeks ago. Yes, that's very true. Um, so the final good quarterback performance to mention is Andy Dalton. 20 for 32, 383 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, two really long touchdowns to A.J. Green, I believe. Uh, so they really have that connection 
just humming right along. Um, Andy Dalton uh, on the Bengals, they are regular season awesome. You know, kind of like Peyton Manning is regular season awesome. So, uh, do you like Andy Dalton as an easy top ten guy for the rest of the year? Yeah, but you got to remember too that, that Dalton uh, hasn't. He's not always very good during the regular season. All the time, he'll have streaks. Uh, but that's normally because the Cincinnati Bengals' offense is not all together. So right now, at this point, even if you are, are discounting Jeremy Hill, who has really been putting up some bad performances and, and kind of uh, letting Giovanni Bernard get back in there as the starter, um, that's actually helping Dalton because those are just a couple more passes in the flats and you know things like that. Yeah. Um, but I think that he's clicking more with his team than he ever has before, and because of that, I think he could be a top-ten quarterback for the rest of the year. So, unlike Tyrod, uh, Dalton, I don't think, has the upside to be like a top five guy. However, he's a more consistent option than I can see being a low-end top ten quarterback for the rest of the season a lot easier than, than Taylor. Because I don't know how to read that Magic 8-ball. Yeah. Now, uh, it's dangerous, though, isn't it? Like, when you when you start thinking that Dalton is just going to be a uh, low-end quarterback one all year? Yeah, I mean, you know... It's really only an issue for me in a two-quarterback league where it's a no-brainer. Of course, in a two-quarterback league, he's starting. In fact, he was my replacement for Romo. Um, though playing this well, he may have found his way into my starting lineup anyways. Well, sure, but thinking outside of your teams, for example. You know. Absolutely. It is still a little tough. I mean, I, with this week's matchups, just throwing it out there, I wonder who you would rather have, um, Andy Dalton or Tyrod Taylor. Well, again, I, I would take... Dalton, I think, because I think the floor is higher and he's been more consistent over a large uh, number of years. But uh, yeah. if I had to, if I had to pick a guy to lead me to victory uh, this week when I had people on the bench that were injured, etc., then I'd probably go with Taylor because it seems like he just, uh, uh, you know, right now is kind of unstoppable. He's got quite a hot streak going on, that's for sure. Yeah, and it doesn't matter that Sammy Watkins and LaShawn McCoy have been injured for most of the beginning of the year. He's just doing it with whoever is around him. Which is probably all the guys that he was practicing with earlier in the year anyways. Well, that's the thing, though, that kind of makes him a little more unpredictable, right? Is that Buffalo's pieces just happen to be working. But, like, Dalton, you know who he's going to pass the ball to. You know who the weapons are on that team. And they still can't defend They're against They're a lot more it. proven, yeah. Um, but it's interesting. If you look at the, uh, the ECR right now on Fantasy Pros, which is the expert consensus ranking for Week 4, they have Andy Dalton at number 9. And Tyrod Taylor at number eight. So it's it's definitely a, a good discussion for us to have which one will maybe finish out higher, which one is better for this particular week. Like you mentioned, Taylor goes up against the Giants, Dalton up against Kansas City. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one to pick for sure. Uh, now, I know we have uh, Tyrod pretty high in our rankings, right? We do. He's number three this week. Where is Dalton uh, finding himself? Uh, so Andy Dalton is going to be number eight. He plays Kansas City. They're a bit tougher of a matchup. Um, Kansas City has done well against uh, quarterbacks, just not ones named Aaron Rodgers. Well, and we saw that, that some of their defensive backs are, or safeties that they were playing out there were getting injured. Um, so that is a factor, maybe leading into this game too. Yes. I don't know if that's going to be guys that are still not playing. But uh, but it, you're right, Kansas City has a better defense uh, than the Giants do. And a lot of it has to do with matchups. Matt Ryan is playing amazing as well. He's up there. Carson Palmer plays St. Louis. Great matchup. Luck plays Jacksonville. Russell Wilson plays Detroit. You know, 
I think if those guys had tough matchups, you'd see Andy Dalton more like five. Uh, so on to the bad quarterbacks from week one. Sam Bradford, uh, his team won. The Eagles finally pulled out a win. They won, I think, 24-17. to 17. Uh, Yeah, 24-17 against the Jets. Bradford, however, went only 14 for 28 with 118 yards, and he did throw a touchdown. So um, good on Bradford for not turning the ball over. That's very important. But clearly, this is an offense that was supposed to be one of the juggernauts of the league that was supposed to be amazing. Sam Bradford's best game of the year, he has a 50% completion rate. Throws for 118 yards. Well, he was out for a whole year. I still got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, but he is not impressing anyone. So do you think that he needs more time still? Do you think that Chip Kelly is going to give him a whole year to struggle? Or could we see Mark Sanchez? Sanchez doesn't offer a higher ceiling than Bradford. So I think until Bradford loses them the game because he throws four interceptions and it's just terrible or gets injured, then he's their quarterback. Yeah, he did take care of the ball, and that's important. Against the Jets, who had had 10 turnovers in the first two games. I mean, maybe they're just, uh, you know, letting him go out there and... And try to brush all the dust off because there's certainly some of that. But we, we need saw to sandblast the rust. Well, we saw in that first game, you know, for example, that he was able to to launch the ball, but he still doesn't look comfortable playing this role, especially in this offense, um, because it's just so fast paced. But the Eagles aren't really doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, they aren't, you know, doing the really fast, uh, high octane. Uh, snap kind of offense that they wanted to. Instead, you saw them running DeMarco Murray all the time through the tackles like they were the Cowboys, and that's not going to work ever. Yeah, that doesn't work if you don't have the Cowboys' offensive line. So we'll see what happens this week. Uh, I would not be surprised if Matthews continues to uh, you know, get the carries uh, because he seems like a better fit for their O for their own line. Mm-hmm. And uh, apologies to anyone who grabbed DeMarco Murray thinking that he would repeat his performance because it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Definitely not. Um, unless they change their whole scheme for him, which they're not going to do. All right, and we'll get to the them later in both the injury and the waiver wire. So I say, you know, Bradford, give him some more time, but he's probably not a guy you want to be starting on a week-to-week basis until he shows you that. He is playing Washington this week, and uh, that tends to be a good time for quarterbacks. <laughs> good time to get healthy against the Washington Redskins. So Colin Kaepernick is 9-for-19 uh, against the Cardinals, 67 yards, Four interceptions. I mean, I don't understand how you can be an NFL quarterback week to week and, uh, you know, put up numbers like that. So, you know, the rest of the year even looks remotely like this. I don't think Colin Kaepernick is a starting quarterback next year. Uh, As for now, with the 49ers, we called it at the beginning of the year. You know, they were going to be a bad offense. Uh, There's not very much fantasy value in that place at all. Carlos Hyde seemed like he would be good week one but uh, if the team is struggling so much then they can't use Carlos Hyde well he's still a bell cow back in an offense uh, like that even if it's bad it's it's good news for fantasy owners just because there are not very many bell cow backs in the NFL maybe eight maybe maybe nine yeah Uh, so that's that's a good thing I mean it's better to have that than than some terrible offense where there's three guys running and you don't know who's going to come out on top Uh, but I agreed with you and and it did seem like we may be wrong on Carlos Hyde at the beginning of the year. He hasn't really done too much, uh, you know, to to change our opinions except for that first game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, stay away from the 49ers. And because apparently they're jipping uh, the locals out of the soccer fields they promised them. There's a whole story going on about how the owners are um, 
backing out of their deal that they had. Hmm. Uh, so, on to the wide receivers. Uh, the good guys. A uh, bunch of huge performances last week. A.J. Green, 10 catches, 277 yards. Did I write that right? That seems like it's too many yards. Anyways, he also had two touchdowns. We talked earlier about his awesome connection with Andy Dalton. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It, it. They're amazing together. Andy Dalton may, or A.J. Green may only be able to run one route, but that route has enough variation on it that he's going to be able to put up huge numbers like this. And it was 227, not 277. He's still getting better. And uh, and Andy Dalton and A.J. Green, that's been a great combo for a while. But remember last year, uh, Green was injured for uh, a large portion of the season and never really got healthy. So and that really <laughs> hindered them. Well, and it leads to the reason why A.J. Green was available later in a lot of leagues this year. Um, and some fantasy owners, myself included, that picked him up later are, are now reaping those benefits. So, especially if you were able to get, you know, like a, a top-tier guy like Antonio Brown or, um, you know, or Julio Jones, and then scoop around on the other side and pick up an A.J. Green, that's almost impossible to, that to, is a power to, move, to pull sure. off that kind of wide receiver talent. But it was available. Unless you've got Beckham and Brown. It was available in, in the leagues, you know, uh, so that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, AJ Green, as long as he's healthy, is going to be awesome. And he doesn't necessarily even need Andy Dalton to throw him the ball. It's really kind of any quarterback tossing it to him. Yeah. Uh, so Steve Smith, the old man, sorry, the, the seasoned veteran, because old men don't get 13 catches for 186 yards and two touchdowns. Well, how old is he? 34? No, he's like 36, probably. Um, you know, we, we always say this when we talk about Steve Smith. And we never remember his age. Anyways, look that up for me. Yeah. Uh, so Baltimore had a little bit of life. They played uh, Cincinnati, so they weren't going to go anywhere. Baltimore is a pretty bad team this year. They lost to the Raiders. Um, they looked terrible in week one against Denver. I think that Steve Smith will be there to put up numbers when the offense does well. But I'm worried that he's going to be in a kind of situation where they're not going to be able to perform on a week-to-week basis. And he's going to have weeks with two catches and twenty yards. Well, and that's what he's had, right? And it, I, you know, it, it's going to continue. Just because he's really the only one left there now, doesn't mean that he's going to get tons of work every week. Like, don't expect to see this stat line again this year. Yeah, but with AJ Green and the other guy Julio Jones, I would expect to see that at least once more from from each of those guys. They they certainly have it in them. Uh, so Julio Jones did have 12 catches for 164 yards, also scored two touchdowns. It's kind of the theme of the week if you're a badass wide receiver. Um, Julio Jones, we, we've been saying it all year, he's probably one of the best guys in the league this year. Uh, he can't really be guarded. Um, you know, Nothing but applause for Julio Jones. Obviously, you drafted him in the first or second round. Obviously, you're starting him every week anyways. Um if ever there was a sell high uh, possibility, would you even consider it with Julio Jones, or are you thinking I don't care what people are going to offer me, I can't give up a player like that? No, you, you don't trade AJ Green or Julio Jones. The, the the value is too high for anyone to actually even give you what value would be necessary. Right for right now, you'd have to uh, you'd have to give up like if it was a dynasty league, probably three first round picks for the next three years or something like that. Like you, it's impossible to trade for a Julio Jones. How what? How could you possibly get the value that's required? I would totally give up three first round picks for Julio Jones. <laughs> I would pull a Ditka. I will trade my whole draft 
for one awesome player. But I'd probably pick a player that has a good track record rather than somebody who's never played in the NFL. Anyways, Jeremy Macklin had eight catches for 141 yards and a touchdown that all came in the second half of the game when it was all garbage time. So you got to be worried that that's only going to kind of occur during garbage time. They did seem to have a better connection. They did seem to play better. Uh, They did put up 28 points, 25 points or something like that in the first half, in the second half. So... Well, Green Bay doesn't have the best defense. Green Bay was playing prevent. Uh, a lot of that has yeah, to do... a lot of prevent defense there. So I don't know if this really means anything for us, except that uh, that streak has finally been broken, and, and a wide receiver has scored a touchdown uh, on a, a team... Oh, uh, sweet relief. <laughs> on the team that Dwayne Bowe used to be the, uh, the main squeeze <laughs> on. So congratulations to Jeremy Macklin and Alex Smith both, uh, and we'll be looking to see if, if this was a fluke or not. Yeah, cue all of the uh, uh, Burt Macklin memes from uh, on like Kansas City Chiefs forums. Uh, the bad wide receivers, Golden Tate had only five for fifty-seven. Um, I bring this up because the Detroit Lions have been awful to start the season. You know, maybe it's been overshadowed by the Bears' awfulness in the same division. Uh, but the two weeks in a row now, the Lions have commented that. The team that they're playing is calling out the play at the line of scrimmage that they're about to run. Mm-hmm. So something that the Lions are doing uh, is giving it away. They're either tipping their hand or someone's stolen their signals. But if, if more than one team is figuring it out, um, then they're either telling each other, which is known to happen in the NFL, or it's just really obvious and the Lions are really screwing up something. And that has a lot to do, you know, that reflects on the coaching staff. That's their responsibility to make sure that the, that sort of thing doesn't happen. Um, so uh, until they figure that out, I don't really like many of the Lions right now. Uh, Amir Abdullah has uh, been, you know, a bright spot. Uh, and you still have Calvin Johnson. You're still probably going to have to start him. I, I, I couldn't possibly recommend sitting him at this point. That would still be insane. However, uh, are, are you worried? It, you know, are teams really stealing their signals? Do you think that... Uh, that's something to be worried about going forward with the team, or is that something that they can figure out during you know one week and fix it? I don't I don't know the answer to that question, and I honestly haven't really seen a Lions game all the way through. But just looking at their statistics, et cetera, I mean this this is a team that you don't want to be playing guys on like uh, you know Golden Tate and Amir Abdullah because they they may not score a touchdown for you unless you're in a PPR league. It's really touchdown dependent for them as you mentioned, and they have a running back, um, not a duo, but a trio, and that's a terrible thing for fantasy footballers. Oh, man. So, and Stafford's injured. So, yeah, I, I'm staying away from them except for Calvin because uh, you have to play Calvin, as you mentioned. But I, I, I think these NFL teams are smart enough, and the management in most cases is smart enough to correct the mistakes, especially if they're being spelled out for them uh, in the media. Um. So Jordan Matthews had only six for forty nine, uh, in you know one of the best games that the Eagles have had this year. Um, he still only got you know six catches for forty nine yards. Are you still starting Jordan Matthews every week? He was drafted in that sort of position, but he's not one of those uh, no brainer studs that you of course are going to be starting. So uh, do you consider benching him? You know for maybe a James Jones or someone like that, someone who is a late comer. 
Not at this point. I, I He went 10 for 102 and then 6 for 80 and a touchdown and then 6 for 49. So this is his worst game. Uh, so it's certainly not something that I thought about before. Okay, then. so just, just a low point with him. Don't worry about him. Well, he did play the Jets like we talked about earlier with Bradford. Um, if we are allowing Bradford to have a couple more games to see if he's going to actually be successful and the Eagles offense picks up, um, then we have to you know, not recommend that you just start sitting everybody because uh, that's, that's not how it works. Um, and Jordan Matthews is definitely the number one receiver there. Um, so on this team, he should pick up quickly. Uh, I think you start him against Washington, and I think he you know, hits the touchdown uh, gets another one on his record, but I'm sorry, I didn't say anything. Oh, but if uh, if Bradford is not going to be able to to you know really stand up and be that that QB one that he um, that he was slated to be this year, then Jordan Matthews is probably just going to be boomer bust every game, and that's not what you're really counting on, except in a flex player maybe. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, what's his face? Vincent Jackson uh, went two for forty last week. So you know that that is a nice little average of twenty yards per catch. But he has been trending down each week. Four catches, three catches, two catches. Hasn't gone over fifty-four yards in a single game this year. He does have one touchdown, which saved the one game that he got the touchdown in fantasy-wise. But for the rest of the time, uh, he's been terrible. Uh, he and Mike Evans haven't done a whole lot, although Mike Evans really came back this week. Uh, it's probably just the first week that Mike Evans is properly healthy. But do you think that Vincent Jackson is going to have a hard time finding a place with the sort of more redesigned team with a new quarterback? Or is this, like Jordan Matthews, just a low point of the year? Those are the two big, you know, uh, tall basketball red zone target receivers uh, for Jameis Winston, and he should be throwing the ball to them. So I don't know why he isn't. I guess he's just, you know, not quite up to snuff yet uh, as far as an NFL quarterback goes. Tampa Bay has not been a good team for a number of years, and Vincent Jackson, I think, has been sort of up and down uh, for the past couple of years as well mm-hmm. because of that. So I don't think there's going to be any different from how it was before, which means he could have a couple big games, but in general, I mean, I didn't draft him anywhere. And uh, if you did, then you, I guess you're going you're gonna to keep playing him as a WR3 or flex, hoping that he scores you points because you can't trade him right now. He's not really worth very much. And putting him on your bench is, unless you have some really good talent there, maybe not the best option. So this is just a, one of those things where you should not be drafting um, – receivers on teams that have rookie quarterbacks that are not very good offensively and have shown us that year after year. All right. Uh, Sammy Watkins had one for 39. So, you know, I, I know that he was injured, so it may be unfair to kind of bring it up. Uh, week one, he was also sort of injured and he didn't have any receptions last week. He was six for 60 and a touchdown. So that salvaged the game there, you know, pick up 12 points. Uh, but it doesn't seem like Sammy Watkins is going to be a favorite of the quarterback that is now winning games in Buffalo. Do you think that they just need more time to work together? Or is Tyrod Taylor going to kind of, you know, just work with whoever he's comfortable with and not really have time to try to work in an injured Sammy Watkins as well? Watkins has been injured all year. 
uh, they should really just give him a game or two off so he can get back to you know playing football. Yeah, uh, he's he's going to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. I he's a super talented dude, and I don't think that that the quarterback really gets to dictate that anyway. I mean, uh, Tyrod Taylor is not Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall, uh, and it's not like Tyrod Taylor is is favoring a receiver. I feel like their offense is very scattered, and that's a good thing, you know, for their offense for their sake. Yeah, so I mean, if he's healthy, he'll he'll get the calls. You remember, was it the first game where Watkins didn't get anything uh, and put up a goose egg? And that's because uh, the coach did not call any any plays where he was the primary receiver. Yeah, he was targeted three times. That's it. So I mean, it's it's very possible and probable, in fact, that Watkins is just injured, and that all that really needs to be done here is maybe you wait until he's he's a little bit more healthy. Yeah. Uh, so on to the running backs. Devonta Freeman had an amazing game, uh, thirty for one forty-one, three touchdowns, five catches for fifty-two yards. Uh, led the league in fantasy scoring this week with like thirty-seven point three points in a standard league. Uh, so Devonta Freeman was kind of promoted today uh, to the number one spot ahead of the injured Tevin Coleman. Um, Call it a longer, I think Roto World said a longer dress rehearsal, or, um, you know, maybe he is being promoted, but, um, you know, depth charts don't mean as much as we like, we, we wish they meant. You know, we wish that they were kind of hard guides for us to follow. So well, he's the number one guy. Based on it. But yes, he is going to be made the number one guy there. Um, he has, he accomplished this based on his volume. He touched the ball 35 times in the game. He's an RB2 on an offense that doesn't run that much. Uh, maybe that'll change. Right? I mean, for his sake, and if you own him, that'd be great. He had uh, 10 carries and 12 carries the previous two weeks and averaged uh, just around two yards per carry during that time. Well, sometimes these guys uh, you know, go through these dry spots or they're not really uh, in the moment and then they kind of, um, some snaps and, and they turn into a different player, they figure it out. And so maybe that's the case. I don't really think that so though. I think he's just their best option right now, but that doesn't mean that he's not playable cause he's playable. Um, Atlanta's offense is, is doing decently. Um, they have Julio Jones, which really opens up the running game for them. Atlanta's three and oh, so we'll see, but it's time for the time being. I mean, he's, he's going to be a better play than like Steven Jackson on Atlanta ever was. That's very true. So you're starting him every week as at least an RB2? Unless Tevin Coleman comes back and, and splits carries again, um, then yeah, right. Okay, and I think we're clear uh, of Tevin Coleman for at least one more week. Mm-hmm. But keep an eye on that, like always. With any of this stuff, keep an eye you know, on injuries later in the week. We can't tell you everything. I'm sorry. Uh, so Latavius Murray had a big game. He was getting hyped mid uh, pre-week. I said, hey, he's not going to be that great, but he'll be good. No, it turned out he was that great. Um, he had 26 carries for 139 yards, scored a touchdown. Um, so that was, you know, that's a great game for him. I uh, am very encouraged by it because I, I like watching the Raiders succeed with the team that they've got right now. They're all young guys. Um, they're not, you know, making lots of mistakes anymore. They're actually looking like a good team. We'll see them next week when the Oakland Raiders play Chicago. So, uh, Dave, do you think that Latavius Murray is here to stay as uh, one of the main bell cow backs 
in the NFL as a guy who's starting every week in fantasy, who next year is going to be valued by everyone, drafted high, all that good stuff. I don't know. He's on the Raiders. I think the Raiders will beat the Bears. Oh, certainly. I think Latavius Murray is uh, the guy who's sort of, uh, you know, the the bell cow back there at the moment. But I I do think that there's going to be some issues. Uh, There's going to be several games, for example, um, this season in which the Raiders are going to be behind by a lot of points. And I'm not sure that they can continue to go to Murray. But, but yeah, I, I, I think he's uh, proved himself so far this season to be a good running back that has those three-down uh, talents. And uh, Roy Halu, who I really like, uh, somehow made his way into the doghouse on the Raiders, and so he's not even really out there getting snaps. But originally, it was supposed to be sort of him as the third down and Murray as the early down back. And that didn't end up happening, which probably means more good things about Murray than bad things about Halu. True. So, so I would say uh, that, yes, he will continue to carry the load, just like a TJ Yeldon and some other guys will. But unfortunately for them, not being on great teams is going to be a factor that hurts them uh, going forward, even into the next year or two, because there will be some games where he just doesn't score RB1 numbers because of the team situation. Sure. Um, you know, just looking forward, week five, they have to play Denver. That's going to be really rough. But their schedule, based on the, the way teams have played so far this year, turns out to not actually be that difficult. You know, they got to play San Diego. Uh, they played Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's a good team. Their defense isn't great yet. If Shazier is healthy by that point, then their run defense is going to be stronger. That'll be one of his tougher matchups. But, you know, Detroit, Tennessee, uh, they play a bunch of teams that are going to be a lot easier for them. Uh, so I do like Latavius Murray for the rest of the year. Um, keep him now and ride him to the playoffs. Sure, but he's already a guy who people are starting as an RB1. So, you know, uh, not exactly uh, earth-shattering news, but I, I do agree with you that uh, uh, maybe maybe this is someone that you were unsure of. But where did Murray go in drafts? Wasn't he drafted like in the third or fourth rounds? I think that maybe that was a little high, but he certainly was gone by the fifth, I'm sure, fifth or sixth. So that makes him an RB2 regardless. So you're saying that in most contexts, then he's a running back one, which I agree with. Yeah. Um, But you're still playing him out there regardless. Yeah. Oh, they don't have ADP information anymore. Oh, well. Uh... No, we talked about Latavius Murray. I need, like, real notes so I can just cross things off. Computers are too complicated. So Joseph Randall had 18 carries for 87 yards, big whoop, three touchdowns. Oh, that's why we mentioned him. Um, The Cowboys got out to a lead early. Uh, I didn't really get to watch much of the game, but from what I gather, uh, they just were able to put up some points on the ground real quick, and then they were unable to sustain that attack. And Atlanta came back and just steamrolled them. So Joseph Randall did put up three touchdowns. Finally, you saw a big performance out of a Dallas Cowboys running back. Uh, do you think that uh, this is going to sort of signal the head of the three-headed beast? Or are we still in for you know no more than 12 to 14, 15 carries for any one guy? Um, I am not sure. I guess he's the guy who's going to get more carries. That's what they said from the beginning, unless you believe the Darren McFadden nonsense, which I didn't. 
Um, so <laughs> it was it was Joseph Randall. Lance Dunbar doesn't get the football on carries. All he does is is he catch catches the ball out of the backfield. So if the Cowboys have the ability to sustain a running game like they did in the first half here, then they're going to give the ball to Joseph Randall and probably a lot because. They don't want Whedon to have the opportunity to turn the ball over. Yeah. And in fact, some people think that Matt Castle, who they recently acquired, is going to end up taking over for him, that they don't even like Whedon as much as uh, as a starter to fill in for Romo while he's out. And eh, I don't know. I'm not really sure. But I do know that uh, their passing offense is not turning any heads right now. And so they will be primarily running the ball when possible. But Randall was shut down in the second half entirely. Uh, when, when they played the Falcons. And the Falcons don't have an extremely good run defense. So I don't know what that means. I guess Joseph Randall is the head of this uh, operation. <clears throat> but I think the fact that he had that many touchdowns is really just kind of a fluke. But okay. you look back at uh, you know his, his game log, right? So he had uh, 16 for 65, uh, 18 for 51, 14 for 87. Um, and didn't score any touchdowns except in this game. So we can call that an outlying statistic. Um, 14 rushes for 87 yards, 6.2 average. So does that mean that he's a great running back after putting up a 4.1, 2.8 average in week one and two? No. Would I play him next week? No, I don't think so. I, maybe he's a flex play. I, I mean, you can call him an RB one, but but like you said, he's part of a. They three play New three. Orleans. I, flex play makes a lot of sense. I just I don't think that I can. Uh, I don't think that, that the Cowboys' offense can can keep putting him at the goal line. Yeah, they're not going to keep getting there and presenting it to him, basically. And Randall's not going to break off a fifty-yard run for a touchdown. That's yeah. That's one of the big things. Uh, so down in the desert, Chris Johnson had twenty-two for one ten. Two touchdowns, a catch for 40 yards. Big game for Chris Johnson. There is a lot of production to be had from the running back position in that Bruce Arians offense. Um, Andre Ellington should be back in a week or two. Is he instantly being slotted back in for you? Or are you afraid that they're going to split the carries too much? I don't like Ellington. I never liked Ellington. And uh, I think that, that Arians is trying to get rid of Ellington and not use him. Um, so, I mean, perhaps, it, perhaps it'll be a lot of Ellington. I don't know. He is their number one guy, but it doesn't seem like he does much except get injured. Maybe he has one or two big games a season because of the amount of opportunities. I think Chris Johnson is not really a starter in this league, but obviously still has, um, you know, some squeak left in the tires. So <laughs> I guess, uh... I, I think there'll be another three-headed running back committee, which, even if led by Ellington, doesn't provide any real value for Ellington. Okay, I, I you know, I had Ellington. I have been trying to throw in David Johnson when I could. I did start uh, Chris Johnson in place of Ellington this week. I do think that if Ellington comes back, that he's worth starting. But maybe you do want to wait like one week, make sure that he's healthy still. You know, that, that, I'm always worried about the first week somebody comes back. It's rare that they, you know, surprise you and put up a big game. It's much more common that they're just going to kind of fall on their face. Uh, so the bad guys will hit these really quick. Jonathan Stewart, 14 for 51. This hasn't worked out kind of like we thought it would with Jonathan Stewart. Are you uh, kind of bailing on the Carolina running game at this point, just assuming that they're always going to be splitting carries? 
Yeah, I, again, was never really a fan of Jay Stu because I, I think if they give him too much work, uh, he might get injured, etc. And he doesn't seem like he has a whole lot left. Um, I was a little worried in the preseason about the guy that they drafted, uh, Cameron Artis Payne, but I don't think he's gotten too many carries. I don't think he's gotten any yet. To be worried about like that job being taken away. It's just that this is one of those seasons, and we talked about this uh, in week one and in the preseason, where because of the loss of Kelvin Benjamin and because uh, the receivers on the team and the running backs are not really playing up to snuff, the Cam Newton is, is doing all the work. And so... I mean, that's good for Newton, but it's not really good for anybody else on the team. And I don't know that the offensive line is uh, going to be supportive of, uh, you know, a number one or number two running back in fantasy. So Jonathan Stewart, I don't really want to start him anymore. I put him in a lineup or two this past week, and that's going to be the last time unless, you know, uh, magic happens. Fair enough. Uh, Justin Forsett had 10 carries for 13 yards and four catches for 16. So uh, Baltimore's offense, obviously, uh, you know, maybe if they, it is succeeding in one place, it's still not going to succeed everywhere. So kind of the same situation, same sort of value at the draft maybe with Jonathan Stewart. Are you going to try and stick out uh, your time with Justin Forsett, or is he also going to kind of go by the wayside? Yeah, I don't like Baltimore's mm-hmm. offense at all. But uh, between him and uh, what's well, it's Taliaferro, right? Who's, who's sort of the, yes, the third down Lorenzo Taliaferro. So I, I think that that Baltimore may be able to put it back together when Brashad Perryman comes back. But Tressman's uh, kind of messed up offense here is not really making anybody. Uh, it's not really doing anything for fantasy owners. So right. Uh, I don't have Forsett on enough squads to have a strong opinion about him because I'm not sure what his points were over the last three weeks. But I didn't read anything saying that he was amazing. He he hasn't really done anything. He's no touchdowns this year. Uh, week one, 43 yards, four catches for 13. Week two, 68 yards, four for 12. Uh, week three, 13 yards, four catches for 16. So then if you're not in a PPR league, he's worthless. Right. He hasn't gone over 80 yards from scrimmage yet. Uh, so this week he plays the Steelers. He, you know, doesn't have a great average against them in his career. Would you start him this week or are you sitting him? Uh, it, it's one of those divisional rival games where it'll probably be a close game regardless, even though Roethlisberger's out and even though Baltimore's not playing well. Uh, I don't really see that becoming a high-scoring affair. Uh, it might have been in some alternate reality, you know, uh, with Steve Smith and Brashad Perryman healthy and... Forsett doing well in the early season, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. I just, I don't know. I, I Don't these uh, sort of uh, interdivisional rivalry games tend to be a little bit more close and slow than, uh, um, you know, than, than maybe some, some other kinds of games? Definitely, especially in the AFC North. Yeah, so I definitely see that. Uh, C.J. Anderson went eight carries for 18 yards, one catch for nine yards. He did leave the game briefly uh, with after taking a hit to the head. Uh, so CJ Anderson has been injured at one point or another through each of the first three games. He is a guy that was probably drafted in the first two rounds. So that is one of those, you know, times when you think, well, I have to start my studs. Um, if you have Ronnie Hillman, are you replacing him with CJ Anderson? Like, you know, you mean the other way around? 
Right. I'm sorry. Um, I, I think C.J. Anderson still has the ability to be a number one running back in this league and that he's been injured, um, and that's just the way it is. I, I think the latest news I've seen from the coach and the team says they want him, they need him. He's still uh, getting as many snaps as Hillman is, if not more. Yeah. Um, just you know, because he's sort of a better player than Ronnie Hillman. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe they'll end up reaching for something else. Heck, maybe they'll uh, they'll trade for Forte from the Bears or something, and uh, and go on to have their their another last wow. ditch effort to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, wow, that but, would that would probably work out. <laughs> but uh, I I don't think that he's startable until he has a good game. Uh, I don't like these these players that get in a position where they split the snaps with somebody else, and I still think that uh, Denver's uh, offensive play calling is a little bit like off kilter. Um, so maybe I'll wait a week or two with those guys. Yeah, it wasn't fully developed yet. But we had C.J. Anderson out there as you know the tops of our running back list. Uh, in fact, the, the top overall. If if he had not been injured and if Peyton wasn't shoved into this Kubiak scheme, uh, maybe it would be different. But for right now, I don't think Anderson is a playable start on a week-to-week basis until he proves otherwise. And I don't think that Hillman's going to do any better. I agree. It's a really tough situation to deal with. If you have that, I, I would try, you know, hopefully you have some other options that you can uh, go with for the time being until it becomes more clear there. So Jeremy Hill is in the doghouse, and he is playing like it. 12 carries for 21 yards. If you're in the doghouse and the coach still gives you the ball 12 times, then you need to do something with it. <laughs> you can't just run for 21 yards, and that's it. So for the time being, I think we're going to get plenty of Giovanni Bernard not a whole lot of Jeremy Hill. Um, it may take some bad weather games or a blowout win or some sort of uh, you know non-normal event uh, in the game throughout the course of a game for Jeremy Hill to get back in in a meaningful way and to try and prove that he belongs there. This is one of those great situations for a team that where they have two good running backs that can both be you know the number one running back in at least most capacities. So Hill can catch some passes. Bernard can run between the tackles a little bit. So either one could be the running back for them for the rest of the season. But I don't think that uh, Cincinnati is giving up on on uh, on Hill, and obviously they're not because he had 12 carries, like you said. Right. So they shouldn't give up on him. He's he, last year he showed he's a phenomenal running back. Yeah, but that's you know sometimes these things are sort of fluky too. He could be a Cedric Benson. And I, I don't know why that is. Maybe people just take, they have their bursts and then it's all gone. I'm not sure. But regardless of that, I think that uh, the coaches will continue to, uh, or the OC will continue to call plays for Hill, um, you know, at least 10 a game in, until he starts either uh, showing his performance to be uh, increased or he just peters out and uh, <laughs> doesn't play on the team anymore. So I don't see any reason why they're going to stop giving him the ball. You remember back on the... Kansas City Chiefs when Todd Haley was the was playing calling the plays there, yeah, and uh, and they had Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones, uh-huh. and I I always owned Jamal Charles like every year, and I got so frustrated because Thomas Jones would still get the ball all the time even though Jamal Charles had like you know six point five yards per carry right. et cetera. Et Jamal cetera. Charles would get one hundred and twenty carries per year, and he would have he would average six and a half yards per carry. Yeah, so I think what's happening is uh, Cincinnati knows that Giovanni Bernard is a little bit more frail uh, of a runner and a little bit more of an explosive guy that they want catching passes and not playing the early down role. But 
Hill's not playing very well. But regardless of that, they still need to give Hill the ball because they can't break Bernard. So I think they'll just continue to see this this split, and eventually Hill will do better. Yeah, once he gets 100 yards on 10 carries, then they'll start feeding him the ball a little bit more. But if you're asking, do you play Hill, then I think the answer is no. Whenever there's uh, two games in a row where a person is not good, you, you can't just keep playing them. If you sit him next week and he blows up, you can't get mad about it just because, oh, well, he had one bag. He, he was killing you the, the, those last couple weeks. You have to set it aside no matter what he does next week. He just has to ride the bench for your team. Unless a player is injured, then you can give him a week that's a bad week and, and, and say he's going to come back and have a better performance. But, yeah, if there's two in a row, I mean, I used to I used to wait for three. Three, three is too long it's, in a fantasy season. It's close season. to three in a row anyways for him. Sure. But but three is too long in a fantasy season. So if you got two bad games or two games where you're not getting enough of the load, then you're on the bench until you prove otherwise. And you only have in, in a fantasy season how many? 13 uh, games to prove yourself before the before playoffs? Before playoff time, that's right. So if you have 13 games and you waste three on uh, Jeremy Hill, then you, you've wasted, you know, uh, well, pretty much a quarter of your season. Yeah. Uh, so finally with the running backs, Alfred Morris... Uh, playing last Thursday night, had six uh, rushes for 19 yards. Uh, we kind of saw the writing on the wall with him and Matt Jones playing so well, seeing that Alfred Morris was going to struggle. He certainly did. Wasn't even given the ball much. The team has said that, oh, he's still our number one guy, yada, yada. But like we were saying earlier about depth charts, they don't always mean that much to the teams themselves. So Alfred Morris, has he been surpassed by Matt Jones? Like you know, for all of our fantasy purposes? I, I think he will be. I'm not sure if he has exactly yet. Um, but, yeah, Jones looks great, and, and he should have gotten that touchdown. You know, somebody stripped him. Uh, but I don't think that was a fumble problem, and it didn't seem like the coaches were treating it too much like it was. Uh, although I did hear that he had uh, he had all kinds of, like, fumble protection drills <laughs> at practice. And, of course... Because if you don't do that, then what happens? All the fans are going to scream. And they at don't you. take it. Yeah, yeah, they think that you're not taking it seriously. Yeah, but but yes, I think Matt Jones will eclipse uh, Alfred Morris by the end of the year because he's simply, you know, a uh, a better, younger, faster back. Yeah. And uh, Morris might still get a good amount of work though, you know, in the next couple games. But the unfortunate part for Morris was being that he was sort of a plotting running back before anyway, unless he got twenty. For carries, he wasn't going to give you a billion points. Uh, you played him because you thought he could get touchdowns on the goal line because that offense could move the ball a little bit. And now they don't have a very good quarterback, um, and they're not moving the ball as much, and they're dependent on guys like Matt Jones that are much better playing the hurry-up-or-behind football than Alfred Morris is. Definitely. It's, it's all just, uh, you know coming up Matt Jones and not Alfred Morris. Yeah, Alfred Morris may be a short yardage and uh, goal line back, you know, going forward and really not get a whole lot of just between the 20s carries, as they say. They say that. They, they That's what they call it, they do. That's what they call it. <laughs> so uh, Greg Olson finally had a game. Well, you Eight knew it was going to happen eventually, yes, right? Yes, he's not one of the ones I was super worried about. Um, eight catches for 134 yards, two touchdowns. Carolina had a very good game. He's clearly Cam Newton's favorite target. 
Uh, it just took Cam a week or two to clear the gunk out of his eyes so that he could see. Yeah, at this point, it's pretty much just Cam Newton and Greg Olson against the world. Which is what it was a couple years ago, too. Yeah, and they made the playoffs doing that with a good defense. Now, they don't have Luke Keekley on defense, so they're going to need to get him back if they want to go anywhere. Yeah, well, they, they, they do still have a pretty incredible defense, but you're absolutely right. Uh, I think the Jared Allen acquisition from the Bears isn't going to help matters too much with the pass rush. <laughs> um, although he'll that probably, was a desperate move. He'll probably be a lot better than he was in the Bears. So that's that's what happens when they leave the Bears, after all. Um, but but I think that they have a chance to make the playoffs, especially considering that that division is just not very good. You remember how they were, uh, you know, last year Carolina. I mean, those teams didn't even have winning records. Yes, yeah, seven, eight, and one made the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, so Gary Barnage uh, had six catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. Um, I forgot what team he was on. I didn't write it down. Oh, yeah? Barnage? Barnage. Gary Barnage. Oh, yes. He is um, on the Dolphins. So he is a tight end on the Dolphins, kind of the guy who took the place of... Um, you mean the Browns? The Browns? What the hell? I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know what I'm looking at either. <laughs> well, yeah, he had 105 yards on six receptions and a touchdown uh, last week versus the Raiders. And I, I guess, you know, the, the issue here, right, is that the the Browns, they had Rob Hausler, who was slotted, uh, slotted in to be their number one tight end, and that just didn't go anywhere. So we have this collection of guys that we're not really even sure who they are. I, I'm not even familiar with Gary Barnage at all, but he's 6'6", 250. He's uh, been in the league. He's 30 years old. Yeah, and he looked... His birthday was last week. He looks great. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just not really sure that he can actually catch all those balls. 6 out of 10 um, is pretty good for a tight end. You have to remember that if you've got a guy like Josh McCown throwing you the ball, he's going to be going more to the Brian Hart line, Gary Barnage, than a Manziel who's either going to scramble or try to throw it all the way downfield like he's playing in high school. Right. So, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of Travis Benjamin. Uh, more likely that this tight end and Brian Hartline end up doing really well in PPR leagues. So keep an eye on this guy, but but it's not someone I'm going to pick up. I just can't do it. Not yet. Uh, Jimmy Graham had 7 for 183 and a touchdown. The complain, not complain, retracted. It. It's a reporter exaggerating everything, whatever the hell went on. It worked because Jimmy Graham uh, had seven catches. I think that's the most important number here is that he's starting to get uh, fed the ball. And you it's know, seven of if eight the guy targets. gets fed the ball, right? If the guy gets fed the ball and he doesn't do anything with it, then he can shut the hell up. Jimmy catches everything that is thrown to him on any team that he's yeah. on. And Russell Wilson is going to uh, realize that this is the warmest, greatest safety blanket he's ever had. It's more of a friend to him in his game than Marshawn Lynch could even be. Well, they both had to figure it out though, because when Russell Wilson goes on those little, you know, scrambles, even if they're controlled scrambles, right? Jimmy never had that. He never dealt with that. And some guys don't like that. Just last week, Brian. Hart Hartline was complaining about that too. Right. Uh, well, with Manziel, who doesn't know how to play the position. Uh, at least, oh, Russell, at least Wilson, Russell Wilson knows how to be a quarterback. He's a good quarterback, yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think Graham is going to have a couple really good games coming up here to prove himself, sort of. And he's playing the Lions next, and Seattle's going to just murder the Lions. Yeah. Uh, so, Charles Clay, 5 for 82 yards and a touchdown. Uh, we've kind of 
you know, liked Charles Clay most of the year. I liked him when he was catching all kinds of passes out of the backfield in Miami. Yo, they gave him like $14 million. Like, I know. They knew that he would be a big playmaker, and they're treating him like one. He's a fullback, tight end, wide receiver. Like, he's just kind of a, uh, I don't know, like original halfback position, you know, that they used to have in the NFL. Right. Where he can just play sort of whatever. Right. So, he did have a touchdown last week as well. This week was the first week he really got going. Um do you think that he'll creep into every week's starter status as a top ten guy? Well, Clay is great, but he's uh, he's a utility player. Uh, Buffalo's offense is good for him because they pass the ball around a lot. I think that we'll still see him scoring. You know, I don't know, maybe maybe seven or eight touchdowns on the year. Uh, he's just getting a lot early, and I, I don't think he's going to approach the caliber of those fantasy studs that we see this year, like Kelsey and. Um, and Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham and, and Greg Olson. I think those guys are, are just better pass catchers and more experienced with it. But, yeah, I, I think Clay will probably hover around the, the low uh, tight end one spot, right? Especially with Buffalo doing so well on a consistent basis. Uh-huh. Uh, Jordan Cameron had three catches for 16 yards. What pisses me off is that he did have eight targets. So Jordan Cameron, as we said, when he gets banged up and injured, he can really play badly you know he may play through the injuries but he's going to be mostly ineffective in my opinion when that happens I suppose there could always be an exception to the rule with a certain injury but um, until Jordan Cameron seems healthy again you may want to look for a Charles Clay um, to start I I wouldn't go as far as Gary Barnage yet um, but if you know there's a few options out there yeah, and, and Tannehill's offense, you know, uh, on the Dolphins, it seems like they're they're just throwing a lot to wide receivers, and that could be because they've been behind in a lot of these games. But it also means that his chemistry is better with the receivers than the tight end. And you, you mentioned Cameron is injured; it's true. But Rashard Matthews is being peppered with targets. Jarvis Landry, of course, is like the number one guy right there. Greg Jennings, they tried to pass the ball to, but gave up on. But who's the guy? Uh, that's a rookie. His name is Devonta Parker. Yep. And Parker actually finally did well this past week. And so he's a guy who's going to get more and more involved as well. So you'll see less Jennings, and you'll probably see um, Parker and Matthews and Landry all having good games in that offense. The thing that kind of bothers me is that they would go trade for Kenny Stills and then not even use him at all. But it just seems like he's not really uh, a, a spoke in that offense. Right. I... You know, I've already given up on Kenny Stills for the year. Uh, I do like Devonta Parker, though. Yep, he could be pretty good. And I I agree with you about uh, Cameron. I mean, he's another one of those guys, though, that I feel like they should just rest for a couple weeks because he's just not 100%. And it's not helping. He's not effective when he's not 100%. It's not helping. Some guys, you know, some guys are 90% of their effectiveness when they're 90%. And that's fine. You play him. You know, if if you get 90% of Julio Jones, you go for it. (laughs) But, you know, 75% of Jordan Cameron is crap. That's not great. I don't mean that literally speaking. You know, 75% of him is probably water. <laughs> so Martellus Bennett is on, what's the worst term than a dumpster fire? Because that's what the Bears are. Uh, you know, he has Jimmy Clausen thrown in the ball. He went 4 for 15. They did play the Seahawks. So this week against the Raiders, they should at least be able to score some points. No. Probably not. It wouldn't matter anyway because Bennett is, is only a good tight end for the first six or seven games of the season. So you might as well just cut your losses now. Try and trade him if you can. Well, because Cutler might come back, let's say, uh, in week five, right? 
So if Color comes back in week five, then Bennett becomes helpful again, but only for a week or two, at which point he has reached his breaking point of uh, you know having played too long in a season. And then he'll just slowly sort of fade into nothingness uh, back into that Bears offense. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't see anything that can help the Chicago Bears at this point except for the return of Cutler. He, as much as everybody bitches about him in the Chicago area here, is so clearly better than any quarterback that the Bears have ever had. And it's stupid. He's to, better than any backup it, that exists in the league. And it's stupid to, to be you know criticizing. He's still better everything. than a bunch of the starters. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's just it's he gets criticized criticized because people are frustrated, not because he's bad. Well, he's bad too. But he's see, bad at times. <laughs> We're all bad sometimes. Well, you hear all the reports that come out now of uh, of the fact that Cutler would like uh, be spoken to in some way by like uh, an offensive coordinator or by a coach, and then he would go into the game, throw a, a pass that he missed on purpose, and, and then flash a smile back to the. Uh, to the bench. He's just, he's, he's a complete asshole. Would he light a cigarette first, blow it out, and then smile at him? It's just these, when these little things come out, then you know that like it's always been this way. He's just a jackass. Uh, that said, he is still the best quarterback the Bears have ever had, technically. So, uh, I don't I don't know how to deal with that, you know. Uh, thank God we're not, uh, or at least I'm not a Bears fan. Well, you're lucky. <laughs> so, let's uh, have a drink for a moment and then jump into the injuries, yeah? Some news that just came out uh, on Roto World here that about Joe Philbin saying that uh, the Dolphins might go ahead and, and fire coach Joe Philbin in the middle of the season. That remains a possibility, is what the Miami Herald is reporting, which is, is hilarious because, you know, for, for so long it seemed like Joe Philbin would be a good coach, sort of a shining beacon of light that leads the Dolphins out of the cave of sorrows that they were previously inhabiting, but not the case. Uh, there's still a lot of real bad blood out there in Miami, and a lot of people don't think that he's the coach to lead them anywhere. So uh, perhaps we'll see Joe Philbin out before the end of the season, and that could certainly turn around that team. Sometimes a coach getting fired really lights a spark under their ass. Yeah, I think that they could definitely <laughs> benefit from finding a new coach. Um, so Ben Roethlisberger, you know, topping the injury list for the week by far, uh, he has a PCL sprain or MCL sprain. MCL sprain. And me. a bone bruise. Um, he, like, we were at the game. I could tell right away that he was down. But watching the replay, he just, like, crumples. As soon as the guy falls into his knee. And the guy fell into his knee. It was, He didn't dive at his knees. It's not a dirty play. Even Ben said that. Um, but that is a lot, how a lot of guys tear their ACLs at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, uh, he is a really tough guy, like you were saying earlier. I do expect it to take 
the six weeks part of the four to six weeks. Um, but, you know, we were speaking during dinner right before the show. All Michael Vick needs to do is go 500 in order to keep the team afloat. If he goes 500, they'll be 5-4 and four, uh, when he comes back. And, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger can win them another five games to take them right to the playoffs. Well, it, it would be sad if, uh, if the Steelers didn't make it in the playoffs having the kind of offense that they have uh, and will have uh, for the rest of the season, especially when Bryant comes back. But even without Bryant, just with Brown and Bell and Heath Miller, that is an offense that should already go to the playoffs. So it would definitely be disappointing for them. Uh, now, I do think that, you know, from a fan's perspective, because I am a fan of the Steelers, that they can probably win a couple of these games. They can beat the Ravens. They can beat the Chargers. Uh, the Cardinals and the Chiefs are the are the tough ones here for them to take on. That's going to be a really good game. So it's a shame Ben won't be there for that one. Yeah, uh, but you know I, I think they can beat those uh, divisional rivals, and I don't think the Chargers are that good this year. And they can definitely take out the Bengals or or the Raiders if it if it goes to that. Uh, although the Bengals, uh, you know, tend to uh, to put up a really good fight or even beat the Steelers, which happened last year. I think they went one and one. Yeah, I was gonna say I think they'll probably split with the uh, with the Bengals this year, but they can totally take both from the Ravens and from the Browns. Yeah. So uh, so we'll see. Uh, obviously, Vic does have to manage the game, and that's something that he's not all that good at. You know, from what I've seen in the past couple of years, is him playing a backup role, but. It's, it's important to remember that Vic was an excellent quarterback on some excellent teams, and if he has anything left in him, then this team uh, should be able to help him bring it out because this team has one of the best, uh, well, some of the best offensive weapons in the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that it's the end of the year for them. I do think you, you hold on to Roethlisberger. Now, here, here's how I look at the schedule. Um, they have another seven games and then a bye week. So they're saying Roethlisberger may be out four to six weeks. If he is out for the full six and, and they're not doing too badly, you know, say they're 500 at that point, I think they may consider holding him one more week. Then they get the bye week two, and a fully healthy Roethlisberger comes back for the last six games of the year. Yeah, and we, we talked about this a bit, and, and certainly he's been brought back a little too soon in previous weeks, but it, it's my opinion that just, you know, having paid attention to him and that team for a long time, that he generally gets back healthy in the in the first part of that, and not the second part of that. Yeah, he's he's not a, a guy that's going to take a long time to get healthy again, like maybe a, a Sam Bradford or a Matt Stafford. Certainly, a lot less frail than those two. Sure. Uh, so Marshawn Lynch left the game after only five carries, uh, but you know they probably didn't need to have any of the first team offense out. Anyways, they would have still. You know, shut the Bears out. Uh, so it's hard to tell in a situation like that whether or not Marshawn Lynch was really hurt or if it was just like, well, he may be banged up and we really don't need him today, so let's not push it. Yeah, plus they like Thomas Rolls, who's the undrafted free agent that filled in for him. Uh, he's part of the reason why uh, they, they went ahead and got rid of Robert Turbin and Christine Michael because Rawls really impressed during the preseason and uh, in practice. And they have Fred Jackson to play on third down. Right. Although, um, yeah. He hasn't I'm, gotten a lot of work, though. Well, it, Rawls is pretty much the backup. He's moved ahead of Fred Jackson at this point. 18 carries, 109 yards. It was against the Bears, but he got almost all that in the second half. So, he did well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't think that 
that uh, Lynch has too much to worry about, like you said. Uh, they knew going into it that playing the Bears, they would be able to beat them with their hands tied behind their back. Right. So I think that uh, you go ahead and fire up Rawls next week if Marshawn Lynch happens to not go. But that's probably you know unlikely to happen anyways. Well, like from the beginning of the season, he's been a dynasty pickup or a deep league pickup anyway because whenever you have a backup that is dangerous like this, like a Niall Davis, etc., uh, who had an ankle injury, by the way. I'm not sure if you're going to get into that or not. Um, it, I think that it's always a good pickup because if the main guy goes down, this guy jumps right into it. Yeah. Uh, quick note on him, uh, Niall Davis, because he did not make my list. There was four running backs already. Uh, Niall Davis did have a knee injury. He did come back later in the game. Um, had three good uh, kick returns. Did not, uh, you know, really participate with the offense. A in knee injury? Well, that's what you said, right? Knee injury? Ankle injury. Ankle. Whatever. Well, I Lower mean, body. That You know, we'll go with hockey terms. These things matter. I thought perhaps you knew some information I didn't. And we, we saw that game, but I think at the time you were making tacos, so I'll excuse you. Uh, from uh, you can be recused from that. Uh, Thank you from that injury. Thank you, Dave. So Lashawn <laughs> McCoy, his replacement will be Carlos Williams. Uh, McCoy did score a touchdown last week, and he's got two on the year already. But it's clear that McCoy is not fully healthy. There, there's a problem with him. It was lingering during preseason. It's obviously still affecting his play. Uh, they need to rest him. It sounds like they're open to resting him for a week or two, mostly because Carlos Williams is averaging 7.8 yards per carry right now. He has a touchdown in each of the first three games. So he is going to replace McCoy when McCoy sits for a week, maybe two, which I think needs to happen. I think everyone is sort of uh, conceding to that point at the Well, even, now. even McCoy said that yeah. you know, a week or two ago, and, and they weren't really listening to him at first. So that's that's always a bad sign. I, I think that the the offense is, or the, sorry, the coaching staff is realizing that they can win with a lot of the talent they already have on the team. You know, McCoy and Watkins, they need them if they want to do things in the postseason. Uh, they need them to get involved with the team, but first, those guys have to get healthy. Yeah, and I, I think that Buffalo could have been that team uh, that that sort of surprised everybody and won the division until uh, Tom Brady started until throwing Tom Brady, for yards. Until Tom Brady started on the very first the game, game of the very first week. <laughs> well, uh, anytime, anytime, and just started throwing touchdowns to Gronkowski. Anytime, like, oh, that's right. Anytime New England plays Pittsburgh, the Gronkowski scores a million touchdowns. Man, New England is just uh, not a team we like to play. <laughs> so Chris Ivory, his replacement was Bilal Paul. He suited up for Sunday's game. He did not make it into the game, I believe, even. Uh, he has a groin injury. It's not supposed to keep him out of week four. I'm worried about starting him in week four, though, because he kind of suited up and didn't play. Um, it's one of those injuries that really affects running backs. You know, it's not like it's a pain thing or anything. Like, if he can't go, he can't go. So well, I don't even like Powell as a replacement, though. Todd Bowles' latest news says he's good to go against the Dolphins. Okay, would you start him? I think I'm going to start him again. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what to say. It's in London, too, so it's going to be like, that's the game where we get up at like 8 in the morning to right, watch Right, right. The game is going to start at 8.30 a.m. Which will Central be a lot time. of fun on, on Sunday, actually. It's it's going to be a, a super long day. It's going to be a long football day, that's for sure. I think Chris Ivory is one of the, the best, most underrated running backs in the entire league on a team that could be uh, you know very undervalued this year. And I would like him to do well. But as you said... I don't care how good the player is. If, if they're injured and have lingering injuries, they're not going to perform, and they're going to drag your fantasy teams down with them. 
So I'm going to pay attention to the news. But if he says he's healthy and the team says he's healthy, I kind of have to go with that. I mean, I I don't think Bilal Powell is my guy, you know. Uh, <laughs> Definitely not. So if, if Ivory's healthy and plays, then he is my RB2 on a couple Bilal teams. Bilal Powell is kind of a plotter. Yeah. He's like three and a half yards per carry, maybe. Well, wasn't he the guy that was behind Ray Rice for a while in the Ravens? Uh, I thought that was Pierce. No, you're right. That's Bernard Pierce. So, so Powell's always been... I'll uh, take plotting plotters for 500, Alex. He's been here on the Jets for a while then, I think, yeah. This plotting plotter shares a name with a law firm. <laughs> uh, where is that guy? Who is Ben Jarvis Green Ellis? I think he's out of the league now. Yeah, I finally removed him from our sheets and everything. He plotted his Replaced way out of the him. league. So DeMarco Murray, his replacement is Ryan Matthews. That may be the most exciting replacement here. Uh, he was inactive for Sunday's game, which we found out uh, about after we were several beers into tailgating. So thankfully, uh, we still have our wits about us, and we know to check Roto World at 11 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Well, that's regardless of how many beers I've had to drink, that's something I'm going to be doing. I, I can't drink enough beers by 11 a.m. to not do that. There you go. <laughs> so Ryan Matthews, uh, he, he, had a, he did a really good job. Their running game finally got going. The Eagles clearly didn't have a passing game, as we were talking about earlier. So do you think that Ryan Matthews uh, is now, you know, going from right now, is he splitting carries with DeMarco Murray? Yes, we had this discussion before, and and the bottom line is that, that the Eagles' offensive line is not built to carry a running back such as DeMarco Murray with his running style. It is built much more like uh, Ryan Matthews' style, which which is not always between the tackles, which means, you know, a little bit of breaking back and forth or, like, passes uh, wide out or, or some, like, slant moves in, the, like, behind the pocket next to the quarterback. Like, that's that's not what DeMarco Murray does. DeMarco Murray just runs downhill uh, for the most part. He breaks out. He catches the passes uh, out of the backfield. He is fast, but he's a between-the-tackle, high-volume runner. And that's not how their offensive line is built to work. And, and Chip Kelly knew this from the beginning. And I heard a lot of people talking about this on sports radio shows, etc., much like this one. Um, although we, we don't do as much NFL analysis as we do fantasy football. Do you football. listen to this show? Uh, on occasion. I don't care for it. I've heard it before. Um, I uh, I think they drink a little much, but, you know, there's always problems. Everyone has their own problems. Yeah. So I think Ryan Matthews uh, immediately goes into uh, splitting carries with uh, DeMarco Murray because... It makes their game work. It, it led them to an actual win. And Ryan Matthews needs to jumpstart this running game if the Eagles are going to start passing and start working together better as a team. Okay. So maybe they end up just splitting carries, and that's how it works the whole season. All right, so give me a tier spot for Ryan Matthews if Murray doesn't play. Well, when, when Murray was, uh, was announced out before the game, we immediately took Murray out and moved... Uh, and we moved Ryan Matthews up to, I think, 26. Mid-20s, yeah. Um, and I think personally now that that puts Ryan Matthews, if he splits carries, if he splits, not the scenario where no, no. he's taking over. Well, I was going to ask you both. I was going to ask you both, okay, when Murray is out, where do you put Matthews? And then when they split, where do you put him? Okay, so if Murray's out and Ryan Matthews is playing, he's a running back one because that's what he was in San Diego. I mean the tiers of all of the running backs. You think he's a top ten guy? What 
you have to you have to qualify this a little bit more for me. What well, you, I said, where would you place him in the tier tiers of running backs? What are you asking me for? Like high end RB two, you know, compared to all the other guys, not just where is he on his team? No, that's not what I meant. I meant yeah, low end running back one, high end RB two. Okay, because uh, that's sort of supposed to be this high powered offense that runs a lot of plays. If you run a lot of plays and you ha- you are a running back. Uh, on a team that can get you the ball, um, and you run eighteen to twenty-two plays right per game, then you're a running back one, right? Yes, I mean ideally for sure. Okay, I mean you don't believe in the Eagles, I guess. Uh, you know they've done well for the past couple of years. I know they have a good track record. They have enough history behind them that you you cannot give up on them yet. And you know maybe this uh, like mishmash of players that Chip Kelly put together just aren't good enough or aren't experienced enough or aren't cohesive enough as a unit to to uh, match the records that he's put up for the past few years. But I just have a feeling that he's going to end up getting it together. Um, and I think they need to run more plays again and just like bewilder uh, the opponents because that seemed to be what was working for them previously. They need that rhythm in a short passing game. Yeah, so you need the running game, you need the passing game. The biggest two components here of this team working out are Sam Bradford and DeMarco Murray. And uh, Ryan You think Matthews. they need DeMarco Murray to work out? No, I, I think they need a running game. Okay. But I agree. I, I agree. think the old fantasy world is going to like is going to freak out if DeMarco Murray just like decides like if Chip Kelly just decides he's not going to be the guy anymore. I, I you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it won't be me. I'll be I'll be happy with that. I like when there's chaos on other teams that I have nobody, you know, has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Well, they I have Darren Sproles in a couple leagues that'll probably help. Yeah, they have some good games coming up and maybe they just need to uh to go back to the drawing board here. Um I don't know. But I do think if Ryan Matthews plays, then for me, he's uh kind of the high-end running back two type and that's what he was in San Diego. Yeah. And so there's no reason why he'll be any Better or worse than he was in San Diego that I can find. So long as he's not the glass man. Well, he wasn't, right? He ran for a whole year uh, last year. Yeah, he finally got over the injury bug, I suppose you could say. Yeah. So Devontae Adams went out again on Monday night. Uh, He still has, uh, I think it was aggravating his ankle injury, something like that. So James Jones is clearly ahead of him in the depth chart at this point. Um you know, through the progressions of Aaron Rodgers, however you want to put it. Ty Montgomery has been playing well. As soon as Devontae Adams went out, James Jones and Ty Montgomery caught touchdowns. Uh, so I don't think that they are going to keep trying to put Devontae Adams out as much as he, they have been. I think that they're going to be fine rolling with uh, James Jones, Ty Montgomery, and Randall Cobb for most of the year. I think that they'll be very successful doing that. Um, so I am telling you guys, do not start Devontae Adams this week. You know, I know that maybe there may be, you know, maybe some people are saying, okay, well, if he's healthy, then we're going to give him one more try. Don't do it. Well, I picked up uh, Jones in a couple leagues, and I was always waiting for, like, the opportune time to play him, which is every week. And I just didn't realize that at the time. So <laughs> I, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, you know, with my team because I, I don't think that, that James Jones should be slotted in as the WR3. But, you know, maybe, maybe he should. Uh, as long as he's the WR2, the wide receiver 2 on the Packers, um, as long as Adams is out and not playing a meaningful role, then that means that James Jones should be in your starting lineup. 
All right, so uh, we talked about this guy a lot already, Sammy Watkins. Um, we know that he probably needs to sit down and get healthy for a week or two, but I want to talk about his replacement really quick, Percy Harvin. Do you think that he should be a guy who should be starting every week? We've we've brought this up before, and he keeps you know he keeps being relevant. So, uh, do you expect him to be more flaky, or do you think that this is kind of a different Percy Harvin than what we've seen in the past? Well, relevance. Uh, if you take away the one touchdown he had in the first game, he had uh, seventy nine yards, forty seven yards, and sixty six yards passing. Uh, well, catching those passes. That's not really relevant. He added four rushes over those three games. Uh, none of those rushes really went for a very long amount of yards. That puts him, if he's not in a PPR league, in a position where he's not really startable. So, to answer your question, I think he's a flex player. Okay. Uh, Boomer bust Still flex. a flex player. I don't think Harmon moves up unless Watkins moves away. And even if he does, then you've got... Yeah, Har- I don't know that you can even say that because... Watkins already has had two games where he barely participated. Right. So, I mean, Harvin is not the number one guy. He's never going to be the number one wide receiver. He's just another uh, cog in this offense where they spread the ball around a lot. hope you get lucky when you start him in the slot, in the flex. Well, the good thing about him, I guess, is that his floor is pretty high. So, at least so far, if you're in a PPR league, for example, you're going to get about 12 points uh, out of him. So, I mean, if that's okay with you, without there even being a touchdown... And that's a that's a pretty great uh, flex play, so he's doing pretty well. Yeah. So Percy Harvin is only owned in fifty five percent of leagues still. Um, I I think that you should at least have him for bench depth. Uh, so at tight end with the injuries, Andrew Cor- Corliss went down. He had two catches and then had a sprained MCL. He'll be out four to six weeks. There was never going to be fantasy relevance with the Green Bay Packers, anyways. So don't even worry about you know playing Richard Rodgers more now that there's no one else to catch passes from him. You know I, I, I there's just no, you know there's no position there for a tight end in that offense. They need a blocker. That's what the tight end is for. Huh. Uh, Vernon Davis. So he didn't play very much because they were getting blown out and he got injured anyways. Um, so they don't think it's a long term injury. Honestly. I don't know why I even bring up Vernon Davis because uh, you shouldn't own him. Nobody should own him on any, like, teams other than, you know. I have him in a team where I have, like, ten bench players, and he's, like, my third tight end. No, he's he, he was maybe borderline relevant in the beginning of the year where it thought maybe he could make a resurgence. Maybe the 49ers would be a decent team. But that's not the case on either, uh, so he's not worth owning anywhere. You should drop him in your 10 bench position league. <laughs> I probably will. Um, okay, so waiver wire recommendations. We talked about Tyrod Taylor earlier. He is only owned in 38% of leagues. If you need a quarterback because you lost Ben Roethlisberger, don't just immediately go for Mike Vick. Look for Tyrod Taylor. Look for Carson Palmer to be still available. Um, are there options? Derek Carr, especially this week against Oakland, I like him more than Michael Vick. I want to wait and see with Michael Vick. Well, Vick isn't a waiver wire replacement. Uh, right, mostly, he's not a direct replacement. Mostly backups, not even close. Mostly backups are not really worth picking up off the wire unless you're in uh, a dynasty league or a two-quarterback league. And even in a two-quarterback league, I still wouldn't play Michael Vick because he's gonna, he was brought there 
to manage the team and not to run the ball like he did before, not to score a whole bunch of fantasy points. Now, uh, like I said before, I'd be happy if he did, but that's not why he was brought there. <laughs> so our other quarterback, like we said, was Derek Carr. He has a great matchup this week against Chicago. If you are streaming quarterbacks in like a 12-team league or, like I said, you just need a bye week replacement, maybe for Tom Brady or, or even Mariota, who has been playing great, um, you know, Derek Carr is a great option this week. And he's been playing well. Not only not only a good matchup, but he's been playing well. Uh, do you own Derek Carr in any of your crazy leagues? Uh, <laughs> my crazy leagues, yes. I have Andy Dalton and Derek Carr in, in my, my two-quarterback super flex league. Well, I mean, if you were starting Derek Carr in a regular league, then people would be asking questions. Yeah. Is he a Raiders fan or something? Uh, <laughs> I have Derek Carr in another league as well. But, yeah, I mean, I have... I have Carr in a, in a league where there's a lot of quarterbacks. Now, I'm glad I drafted him, though, because I, I drafted him and Dalton both especially and specifically because they were under-the-radar quarterbacks that could end up being top 15, and both of them will be, in my opinion. Dalton, for sure. For sure. Derek Carr has the potential, and I, uh, I, I hope he can make it there. Well, and, and I don't want to derail this, this discussion, but that league was an auction league, right? So I sat there watching players like Andrew Luck go for like $60 of a $250 budget. And then I picked up guys like Carr for like 15 Yeah, that's great value. Which allowed me to get AJ Green, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell on the same team. Pretty sweet. So Pretty yeah. sweet. I mean, pick your battles, right? Those, that's three guys who are taken in the first two rounds normally. Well, that's why I'm 3-0. That's, <laughs> that's what I do in FanDuel now, man. I go into FanDuel, I pick... Uh, a, a defense and a kicker that's relatively cheap. I go find a flyer wide receiver and running back, and then I have like eight thousand plus average left to spend on a bunch of studs. Yeah, the the best uh, I think uh, the best policy in, in FanDuel and DraftKings and those sorts of DFS leagues is to have enough money left over where you can have a couple guys that are above the fold. You don't want to have a whole team of average players because that is not going to give you anything. Right. You need those guys who are going to for sure put up numbers for you. And if you hit on some of those other guys, then you'll win money. Sometimes you put Devontae Freeman in your lineup like I did last week. i got a question from the chat room, which is uh, any reason for me to keep Vincent Jackson now that Mike Evans is back? Seems like a wasted roster bench spot. So we talked about Vincent Jackson a little bit earlier. He's been boomer bust for several seasons. Uh, he's a guy that you play and then you go, oh, and then you bench him and you go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, if you if you can somehow find the right rhythm with him. You, you don't dump Vincent Jackson because he's a very talented wide receiver. Yeah, I, what I would do is... I would certainly you, bench him at this point. Yeah, well, I would I would bench him and try to, to pick up, uh, not pick up, but play somebody else in his spot that maybe has a little bit higher of a, of a, floor, a floor at this time. Um, because you don't want a player on, on a team at the beginning of your fantasy football year that is going to give you, like, uh, it, what is he averaging right now? Vincent Jackson? Yeah. Vincent Jackson is 145 yards total, which means he's averaging less than 50 yards per game. Right. So He has only three catches per game. So at this point, you know, if you're getting four or five points per game from him, he's not startable at all whatsoever. So what I would do is wait until he has a big game or two and try to trade him to someone else. Because he's going to be boomer bust all year. And you are not going to be able to decide when that is. Nobody knows that. <laughs> Nobody knows. Don't worry. Uh, so, um, 
for waiver wire pickups at running back, we talked about Carlos Williams earlier. If LaShawn McCoy sits, which it seems at the moment that we're talking that he probably will end up sitting, uh, Carlos Williams, I think, is an instant start. Uh, he's only owned in 25% of leagues. So uh, go forth and put in your claims for Carlos Williams, unless you're in the leagues that I am in. Then please hold off. Um, and they're playing the Giants, who don't have the greatest defense right now. Uh, Thomas Rawls in Seattle. Um, Rawls you may want in a deeper league. I think that you should start him if Seattle doesn't uh, have Marshawn Lynch going this week. However, I think Marshawn Lynch is probably going to play. I don't pick him up right now unless you're in a super deep league because, well, yeah, like, because I think Lynch will be fine. Yep. And Alfred Blue, um, if Arian Foster is not back next week, Alfred Blue could have another decent matchup against the Falcons, who just gave up three touchdowns to Joseph Randall on the ground last week. Uh, so Alfred Blue did get going, but he did need to uh, run the ball 31 times. So not super encouraging there, but good numbers finally from the running back in Houston. Um. So, how excited are you for Arian Foster to come back? How many leagues did you pick him up in? I don't know, three? Oh, man. A third of my leagues? That's a lot of waiting. You you drafted a lot. You drafted him and uh, Le'Veon Bell in a bunch of places we this year. We uh, just sort of took the state of the fantasy league address a minute ago, sort of. Uh, and it turns out, like, right now, in, in all the leagues I'm at, I'm, one, I'm doing poorly in. In all the other leagues, I'm basically 2-1, and one, and one, I'm 3-0. and oh. So, for some reason, you know... I was able to to weather like the the storm of of not having great running backs, which is my whole concept this year in drafting. Yeah. So in in almost get by without them for now. In almost every league, I either uh, took the not zero running back, but very low end running back uh, theory, or I drafted Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> and and then tried to take maybe one other guy that could fill in in the time being, like Chris Ivory. Uh, or something like that. So it's it's worked out for me, and and now the one is back. Foster may be back this week. If not, then he'll be back in, in week five definitely, and uh, that's going to be great because there you go. I, I have those two guys that will be starting um, on all my teams. Like I, I don't see either one of them disappointing too much. Yeah. Uh, so Richard Matthews, especially, uh, especially considering another team has a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> The game they, they goes kind through of, them. They're kind of necessary at this point. Yeah. So Richard Matthews is uh, on the Dolphins. He has 262 yards and three touchdowns this year. Um, he had 10 targets just in week three. So he is going to be a big part of the offense. He is the guy who's sort of emerged. And, you know, they were using him a lot last year, um, but not as much as Jarvis Landry. This year, I think opposing offenses are treating Jarvis Landry as that number one guy, and he's maybe experiencing tougher defense than he was last year. And Richard Matthews is the one who's reaping the benefits right now. And Parker's getting involved in there too, so it's really a wide receiver happy offense for Tannehill right now. Yeah, so Matthews is available in 77% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, I, I like him as bench depth. I don't know that you want to pick him up and start him right away. Uh, the next guy on our list uh, I would recommend for that. Uh, Marvin Jones is... Wide receiver in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is firing in all sing- cylinders, as we've mentioned. A.J. Green is lighting the world up. He's going to be drawing all of the attention of the opposing cornerbacks. Uh, Speaking of opposing cornerbacks, the Bengals play the Chiefs this week. As we saw in Monday Night Football, the Chiefs' uh, you know, secondary is the walking dead. 
Just a bunch of zombies back there. No real football players right now. Um, so Marvin Jones is going to probably only have a good game if he can, you know, if Andy, if, uh, what's his face? AJ Green isn't hogging all the passes. What's his face? What's his face? See, he's becoming forgotten out there. It's crazy. <laughs> I like. It's just the way you like it, Dave. I like Cecil Shorts too. He's he's said uh, a six catch game uh, in week two, a six catch game in week three, um, and he doesn't really have the touchdowns yet or anything. But in a PPR league, Shorts is uh, is fantastic and definitely earning that that role over Jalen Strong or the other receivers. There is sort of the number two Nate guy. Washington. Um, and then also Alan Hearns on Jacksonville, who's averaged over 60 yards per game. And one of those uh, uh, big passes was for a touchdown. Is so, Alan Hearns widely available? Uh, I don't imagine that a lot of people own Alan Hearns. Uh, he is only 10% owned. Yeah. So uh, both of those guys are not immediate pickups, but if you're in a PPR league, both good choices. And Jacksonville actually has a couple good receivers. Allen Robinson... And the the reintroduction of Julius Thomas in the next couple of weeks will probably make that even better for them. On a team like Jacksonville, where they're going to be playing from behind, we know how, how well that does for receivers because Cecil Shorts used to be a Jaguar, and that's where he'd get all his touchdowns was when yeah. the team was down by 14 points in the third and fourth quarters. That's right. And I, I see that happening for Robinson and Hearns and Thomas on Jacksonville this year. Uh, so, Ted Ginn Jr. in Carolina, Jericho Cotri, probably going to be out another week. Greg Olson is finally uh, back to normal. Uh, the only relevant uh, wide receiver there is going to be Ted Ginn Jr. for the moment. Uh, Devin Funches is not uh, the second coming of Kelvin Benjamin as much as everyone hoped he was in the preseason. Um, so, he has 22 targets through three weeks, which is a lot of targets for a guy who's more of a burner like Ted Ginn Jr. So hopefully uh, Cam Newton can connect with him a little bit more mm-hmm. and he can become uh, defend, uh, decent. Uh-huh. Uh, but for right now, he's a low bench stash. Um, maybe you hold him for bye weeks or injury possibilities uh, with the possibility that this situation does get better. You know, they, they, it could certainly uh, spark into a big connection throughout the year, and they could wind up with 70 catches this year. It gets better, Jason. It'll get better. So Charles Clay in Buffalo, uh, we talked about him earlier. Uh, we like Clay as kind of a low-end tight end one, high-end tight end two. Um, you know, go with Clay if you got him on your team already. If you need to replace Gronkowski for a week, go for it. Um you know, I, I like the way that the Buffalo offense has been playing all year. In uh, Arizona, for kickers, we've got Chandler Canton Zaro. Um, do you want to enlighten me on Chandler Canton Zaro? I don't know. Uh, you know me, I'm not a kicker guy. I don't know what that means. <laughs> this guy is so against uh, all kickers and defenses, but it makes no sense. It, it, we, we've suddenly changed from like everyone having a similar role in the offense to do things, and now the kickers do something completely different. <laughs> and there isn't even a whole lot to analyze there. You know, you want a guy. This is what I look for in kickers: someone who's going to play in a dome or high altitude and well, see, on I, a halfway I, decent offense. I really don't, think but that, not a great offense. I don't think the dome and high altitude thing has as much to do with it as you think it would. Then I, you know. I, what you want is is you want a uh, a kicker that's going to be on a good offense. That's that's all you care about. That's all you should care about. That's why Guskowski is always one of the the top kickers in the NFL because I don't care if he's getting six extra points because the Patriots beat out uh, the team so badly, 
or if he's uh, getting like a couple 30-yard field goals, he's still going to score you uh, like from 7 to 12 points in every single game. You want consistency and a possible upside, right? So Arizona has been scoring a whole bunch of points, and here's a guy in Catanzaro that has been um, you know, doing pretty well on, on making his field goals. And so that's all you need. That's all you want. And Catanzaro is not owned by a lot of people. So if Arizona is going to continue with this kind of a offensive prowess, uh, spurred by Larry Fitzgerald and Chris Johnson and whoever else, doesn't really matter, then, yeah. then that's a guy who is going to get you points. Um, and Arizona is not going to convert every single one of these possessions into a touchdown. When they don't, then here's, here's your guy. And he's a 24-year-old, too. So uh, he does have the ability to kick a really, a really big, long uh, field goal. Yep. So uh, then the Colts uh, do have a good matchup against the Jaguars this week. I would suggest uh, checking them out if you need to stream a defense. A um, couple other options. You know, maybe the Eagles, because they're playing the Redskins. The Eagles have had a good return game lately. Uh, you may be able to get another return touchdown out of them. Um I know that the Cardinals have been mostly snatched up at this point. The Browns have been mostly snatched up. Uh, any other defenses you would recommend checking out this week, Dave? Sure. Well, in our rankings, we have the Eagles as number three and the Colts as number four after the Panthers and the Seahawks, who are, are very much leading up that uh, charge. Sure. And I would hope that the Panthers and the Seahawks are owned. <laughs> and besides that, because you can't have Denver, Arizona, or Buffalo, um, we have teams like Green Bay versus San Francisco who could have a really good game after showing up Kansas City the way they did. Although, you know, you have to expect if, if you're playing against Green Bay that they're going to let you score some points. But Green Bay is able to make those good plays, those sacks, force those fumbles. They'll um, get picks at the end of the game. Yeah, I also like the Raiders at Chicago a lot. Uh, the Raiders' defense is... Because you start anyone against Jeremy Clausen. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and the Raiders' defense is okay to begin with. It's just that they're, they're not a very established offensive team, so everyone kind of lets them uh, uh, slide a little bit, right? Not so, enough tape on them yet. Right. So I like the Oakland Raiders at Chicago as a pickup. I also like Baltimore Ravens at Pittsburgh, but Baltimore might be owned. Uh, anytime there's a guy who comes in to fill in, you have to uh, think if he takes chances and he tries to throw it out there and pretend that he's uh, Big Ben in this offense, you know, it, it may not work. Um, and you've got the Jets at Miami. Miami's been struggling a little bit. Jets have a good defense. So uh, those are those are my picks. Um, I think if you have to take one, I would take uh, Green Bay or Oakland just because San Francisco and Chicago have really been faltering as offenses. Okay, so let's burn through this last part in just a couple of minutes. I want to mention a couple of guys who uh, we like more than their average spot and guys who we don't like as much. So we've mentioned him a lot, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, we like him a lot more than average, uh, but... Dave, I want to give you credit for the upcoming Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, collapse. Because as you've stated all year long, he gets three games. And he's had three games. So Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down. <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, that it's going to be hard for him to, to remain a, a good quarterback so far this year when you have problems with Chris Ivory at running back, when you have problems with Eric Decker at wide receiver, uh, when you don't have any substantial tight end uh, position and players available. Uh, he's he's running out of fumes, right? Yeah. And uh, and I think he uh, won't be doing quite as well. Yep. So assuming LaShawn McCoy sits out, Carlos Williams we have as a top 10 running back this week. And Devonta Freeman, he did have a huge game, but I think he's going to come back down to earth. Um, don't expect the, the volume and the 
output that he had last week. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not saying he's not worth starting, but he's not going to be as good as you think. Uh, I think Percy Harvin will have a good game this week because it seems like Sammy Watkins will be out of the game plan because he'll probably sit. Um, so, you know, I like Percy Harvin as a start this week. Remember, he, he doesn't really have any great games except for the one touchdown in game one. Okay, well then I'm making a prediction. How about Percy Harvin has 11 or more points in a regular scoring league? That's fine. Okay, you don't... I was trying to tempt you into a bet. Oh, I see. But you're not interested. (laughs) So, uh, Devontae Adams, like I said earlier, stay away from him. Uh, Start James Jones if you got him. That'll work out better for you. Mm -hmm. Ladarius Green is on a team in San Diego that is desperate for a tight end. They're not getting Antonio Gates back until week five. So if Green does play, uh, you could use him as a fill-in as well. Uh, I don't know if he's owned in too many leagues or not, but uh, for like Gronkowski or Delaney Walker, uh, the two guys who are on bye this week. Um, And Eric Ebron is maybe a guy who seems like he's below the radar, but he is on a bad enough team where um, I would still stay away from him until the Lions figure out how to keep people from stealing their plays. All right. Good advice, right? I think you need a breath or or a, a big, huge gulp of uh, that IPA from Ingrained Brewery in Springfield. Shout out to you guys. It's, it was a delicious growler. We enjoyed it. Yes, good lunch there, too. Mm. And, uh, and remember, please, uh, to check us out at drink5.com, where we have all of our articles written by our lovely staff of writers. And, of course, every Tuesday we have this podcast brought to you from us. It's our gift to you every week. It's gift wrapped up with a fantasy football ribbon. It's all free. <laughs> it is. It's I just all want free. everyone to know that it's free. <laughs> <laughs> and you can uh, listen to our podcast later if you are not available at that specific hour on Tuesday. at Stitcher or on iTunes. Just look up Drink 5 Network. Uh, email us directly at Jason at Drink5 or David Drink5.com. Follow us at Twitter at Drink5 or Facebook at Drink5 Network. So we're going to sign off. We'll see you next week you where we talk about how uh, how correct we were about all the about predictions. Everything in week that four. we predicted. Cheers. <laughs>